Listener Production. All right, we've had one week of the new app Threads. So Jen, Fran and I are going to go deep on our reactions to it. And Jen, I'm always surprised for someone that hates social media, how passionate you are about it. Yes, well, I think it's done something quite terrible to my brain and it's <laughs> addicted me to many a social network interface. So that's something that I'm trying to work through and what I definitely don't need is a another social media mm. network to sink my time into. But here we are. Yeah, and this episode also brings out some deep personal reflections from you. You're about to call yourself a snarky bitch who craves relevancy. Well, it doesn't sound that nice when you say it. <laughs> Sounds much better when I call myself that. <laughs> totally. But yeah, I'm, look, I've been trying to reckon with why I am so addicted to these social media networks. And I am addicted. I am because I've tried to stop or slow down my use and I can't. So, yeah, this is a this is a question that I've been reflecting on for, for some years now and, and trying to look at the bigger picture as well. And that's, you know, part of what we're going to talk about a little bit later. So I look forward to bringing everybody that conversation. <laughs> Threads, it has taken us in so many different places in this episode. Uh, first, here are today's headlines. It is Friday, the 14th of July. Well, we are going to start with some news that is breaking right now in the US where the biggest Hollywood shutdown in 60 years is about to happen. Believe me, our heart bleeds that we had to make this decision, but we can't not get what these members deserve because it's only going to get worse. This is where we drew the line in the sand, and it's a terrible thing to have to do, but we were forced into it. If that voice sounds familiar to you, that is because it is Fran Drescher. Yes, Fran Nanny Fine, if you will, uh, who is now the president of the Actors Union. So more than 150,000 television and movie actors are going on strike later today, our time, depending on when you're listening to this. It may be happening. It may have already happened. Uh, they are joining screenwriters who already walked off the job in May, Tom. Uh, this is massive. It yeah. hasn't happened like this in decades. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. So the union's saying they're trying to ensure that living wages for workaday actors are paid and protecting their members from their likeness being used in productions they didn't take part in. So part of it is they're concerned about what AI is going to do to the film and TV industry. Yeah, and I think the cast of Oppenheimer walked out of the film's London premiere in solidarity as well. This just happened last night. Um, there's been some big names that have signed on to this too. Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, Ben Stiller, they've all signed a letter saying that they're prepared to strike too. So it's um, it's certainly getting a lot of publicity just by virtue of the people who are taking part in it. They're just such big names. Yeah, massive. And so any campaigning by actors uh, around the Emmys, the upcoming Emmys, is going to end immediately. So there's a shakedown across the whole industry. This is a fascinating story. Billionaire Elon Musk has now launched his own AI startup, despite sounding the alarm about the dangers of AI quite recently. So he's got a new venture called XAI. It's aimed at toppling ChatGPT, which was developed by the Tesla CEO's former company. So a bit of rivalry there. He says the difference with his outfit is that it will be pro-humanity. Jen, he was calling for a pause recently on ChatGPT. And I remember at the time thinking, 
hang on a minute, isn't this exactly the sort of thing he might want to get into at some point? And the prophecy seems to have come true. It does feel a bit like a if you can't beat them, join them sort of move because, yeah, you're right, he did sign a letter earlier this year that essentially called for a pause on AI development uh, just to make sure that humans don't lose control of it, right? Like He was sounding mm. the alarm. But now he is saying that a pause doesn't seem realistic. So he is creating his own version um, that he says is going to be, and this is a quote from him, maximally curious. Mm. Not entirely sure what that means, but um, he seems to think that it's going to be a force for good in humanity rather than a force for evil. I don't know if I trust him. Mm. Sounds like hypocrisy to me in that he just called for a pause on it so that he could have more time to create his own. Kevin Spacey has spent nearly three hours in a witness box at his sexual assault trial in London. He got very emotional in the witness box. He told jurors that the sexual misconduct allegations that were made against him six years ago destroyed his career. Um, He said that my world exploded. I lost my job, my reputation. I lost everything in a matter of days. Um, He also told the court that he and one of the complainants They had developed this, what he called, flirtatious relationship and that they had been somewhat intimate, but he had denied assaulting him entirely. And I think that's the crux of the case, Tom. Um, In this particular case, anyway, Spacey doesn't deny, as he says, being intimate Mm. with the man, but they have two very, very different versions of what actually happened between them. Yeah, this was one of the most um, explosive set of allegations from the Me Too movement in its early stages and now it's still playing out in court. So, you know, at the time, Kevin Spacey was an absolutely huge actor. House of Cards um, was at the peak of its success. So now we're seeing the the reality of these allegations tested in court here in London. Mm, And there are a few of them. He's been accused of sex offences against four men between 2001 and 2013, all of which he denies. And a very interesting idea out of France to make fashion more sustainable. So they're going to introduce a scheme where the government will subsidise repairs to your clothes or shoes. So they'll give people a rebate of $10 to $40 per repair, depending how complex it is. This is awesome. Okay, congratulations, France, coming on board the uh, Let's Curb Fast Fashion train. They reckon, this is according to one of their ministers, that the textile industry is on course to account for a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, which makes it the second most polluting industry in the world. Of course, I I knew that because I'm very involved in uh, sustainable fashion. I don't know if this is going to really solve the problem, but I like that governments are, one, acknowledging that this is a problem, and two, trying to take steps to rectify it, albeit very small steps. Yeah, but fixing stuff instead of throwing stuff out is is a good start, I reckon, because otherwise it just yeah. piles up. So, you know, can't see much downside on this one. No, no. I reckon they should give bloody more money for repairs. What's six euro going to do, France? Couple of stitches. Couple of stitches, yeah, depending on what it is. A, a, a hat might work. All right, in just a second, we're going deep on threads.
All right, let's get into our chat about threads. And Jen, you are very qualified. I guess the same reason I am in a way, um, because of our age, we're all social media guinea pigs. We were there for MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of them. Yeah, well, one thing that I don't like to shout from the rooftops is how we are both geriatric millennials. <laughs> Surely there's got to be a better way to say that. Elder Ouch. millennials, yeah. maybe that sounds a bit better. Mm. But what, what that is is a generation born in the 80s. So we were essentially just kids when the internet rolled around. And so when all of these social media platforms started, we were there from their very inception mm. as young people just like diving nose first into YouTube, which started in 2004, Facebook, I think, started in 2006, Twitter started in maybe 2008. So we were there from the beginning and we have ridden that wave ever since mm. and sort of seen the devolution. And here we are again, nose diving into <laughs> threads. <laughs> so what do you think of threads? Good question. I am not sure who threads is for. Okay. That would be my my top line critique about the platform so far. Bear in mind, it hasn't even been a week, so mm. all of these things are sort of liable to change. But essentially what it is, is it seems like a merging of Twitter and Instagram, right? It looks like Twitter. It's a simpler version of Twitter. It's, it's essentially an Instagram algorithm. So it's mm. pulling in all of your friends and the ecosystem that exists on Instagram. So I don't know if people who are attracted to threads who have come from Twitter are necessarily ready for the fluffiness of Instagram. And I don't know if the Instagrammers are ready for the cynicism of people <laughs> from Twitter. So it might end up being a platform for no one because it's trying to be a platform for everyone. They're very different groups of people. Yeah. Well, the key reason, I guess, that I, I don't think that as it stands so far it will replicate Twitter is because it's explicitly said we're not here to replicate Twitter. Twitter, its most powerful element was its ability to allow its user to follow breaking news. So my question is why then would people who are disaffected with what's happening at Twitter, why would they use threads if the main reason they're on Twitter is not replicated there? If that really was the main reason people were on Twitter, that might explain why only journalists mm. and, and big public figures and politicians like using it because it, in Australia at least, less so in America, it really didn't cross over to most people. It didn't hit the mainstream community in a very successful way. That's right. I saw a meme on threads because, of course, memes is how we understand the world. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it was like this this graph and it was it sort of said, if you're hot but dumb, you use Instagram. If you're smart but fugly, you use Twitter. And if you're hot but smart, you use threads. But the question is, are you going to be hotter than the hotties on Instagram and are you going to be smarter than the smarts on Twitter? Probably not. So who exactly is Threads for? Look, my reaction was initially, okay, cool, quite optimistic about Threads because I think Twitter has a lot to offer and I think, yeah, the tone of it is, is a big problem with it, that it's so antagonistic. So I thought a friendlier version of Twitter, that could work. And I also love the Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk narrative. I found Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter very arrogant it's not his area of expertise. So in a way, I've enjoyed the sort of demise of Twitter under Elon Musk, even though I, I like him and respect him in, in other ways. You know, Zuckerberg, this is his lane. He is maybe the world's leading expert in social media, even though he's had his own failures as well as massive successes. So I liked it for that reason. But then as soon as I got on there 
there were two problems. One is the community or the, the people that you follow within your Instagram ecosystem. They're very different to the people that I had followed on Twitter. And as you pointed out, it was much more of an, a news-based thing on Twitter. And I liked it on Twitter. I would follow people right outside my own ecosystem, people I disagreed with, people from all over the world, because it was more about news and ideas. And that was great about it. But that was also what made it kind of antagonistic and intense. And then the other thing that hit me very quickly was, as I tried to write my first thread post, I was like, oh, I hate this feeling of just trying to be pithy with one-liners. Mm. That's just not me, you know? Mm. You're better at that. You're, yeah, you're smart. <laughs> you're smarter and funnier than me. Wait a minute. Am I smart and hot? Maybe, Maybe. threads are for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, that feeling of trying to write something that's going to be pithy or angry or funny enough to get lots of likes, that was the main thing that stopped me contributing to Twitter. It might also have to do with the fact that, like I said at the beginning, that we're geriatric millennials and, babe, we're tired. We're so tired. It's also a life stage thing where you're more focused on your more immediate world around you. Like, you know, if you have children or you've got, you know, a partner, it's very different to when you're just like looking out at the world, trying to explore. It's a life stage thing as well. But also we've done this with all of the other platforms. We've grabbed them by the balls. We know all the stages. The first stage is you get on the platform and discuss the platform. It's sort of like talking about Fire Club. You shouldn't do it because it's so awkward, but it's inevitable when you hit a new environment, right? Yeah, we know the stages. You get on, you talk about the platform, the platform's good, things are optimistic, some weird shit starts to happen, Nazis get involved and <laughs> hi-ho, you're Twitter and you're devolving. There you go. Yeah. You know, we're, we're waiting for that to sort of happen on, on threads a little bit. But it's, it's interesting the goal of these platforms to kind of to, to think about because there is, there's a, you know, it's very initial optimism on threads of people going, oh, maybe this can be a nicer, kinder Twitter I think we just need to be very clear about what the goal of these social media platforms are. They're businesses. They're businesses. In the attention economy. And they will tell you from here to high heaven, as they have already, that this is about creating a town square and that this is about creating a space where everyone can come together and share and exchange ideas like, you know, rainbows and butterflies and everything's fluffy. Mm. That's just rubbish. Mm. That's just absolute bullshit. This is not a town square. It's only a town square if the town square was owned by the billionaire and the billionaire was selling your data to brands and corporations. That is the only way it could be a town square because that is what is happening with these platforms. It's a town square in a capitalist town. So I think it can be both. I think it it can be a town square and that's the promise, but it's a town square with the the key ambition not necessarily of making the town a better place. It's a town square with the goal of making money from access to the town square. Therefore not a town square because the town square ultimately has the goal of, you know, bringing the community together. I think the town square is the red herring. I think that's what they get you in with selling you this idea of come and be part of this conversation, come and come and be relevant. And you mm. know, we're humans and we have a very we have Lizard brains, you know, and if someone says to you, oh, there's massive incentives of being on this platform, you can be relevant, you can be important, you can get likes, mm. you can get shares, you can get start getting job offers because of how big your following is, you're going to want to participate in that. But that's not actually what the overall goal of these platforms is. Their, their goal is to make money and you are the product, not the user. So you have a funny relationship with all of this because I know that 
in a way you hate social media, but you sort of can't help yourself. You, for years you tried to pull back on Twitter and it was only an accidental deactivation that finally got you off there. And so then threads arise and you're like still pretending you're really cynical about social media. But I've I've seen you in there. You're leaping and lunging for likes. I am not. That is such an exaggeration of how I'm currently. I'm I'm tepidly walking into it. This is sort of the, the crux of the issue for me is that I, because I've been on these social platforms for almost two decades mm. now, I'm very interested in the way that we communicate and I'm very interested in what they're doing to us as people. I did quit Twitter. I quit Twitter because you know, it was devolving, it was antagonistic, it was vitriolic, it was no longer doing the thing that I needed it to do, which was uh, follow breaking news and keep up to speed with the conversation and all of that. And so I said, I'm going to deactivate. But I went over my deactivation period and I lost my account. And therefore, I cannot connect back to Twitter, even if I wanted to. So you accidentally cut ties. I accidentally cut ties. But you also have admitted to me in the past, maybe in private, I can't remember, but you said it didn't bring out a side of your... self that you were most enamoured with? Okay, so there, there were a couple of reasons why, there are a couple of levels as to why I quit Twitter, okay? And it's funny because when I quit Twitter, I was like, right, I'm done, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out of this social media game, I don't want this. You know, I started listening to a lot of people who were critical of social media companies. I'm just going to shout out one particular guy whose name is Jaron Lanier. If if you're listening to this and you want to you, you get into this space, follow him. He's, he's extraordinary in the way that he talks about social media. And he basically says, you, you need to delete all of your social media accounts. Our brain cannot handle what is happening to us via this algorithm, right? And I was like, I'm with you. I'm with you, Jared. I'm there, baby. It's the end of civilization. It's the end of I'm it's it's gonna bring out the demise of humanity. I don't want to be a part of this. I'm very clear on this. Threads launches, and I'm like, I am on threads. Yep. You know? <laughs> Sorry, Jared. <laughs> Sorry, babe. And so I had this kind of moment of like, oh, I know what this is doing to me as a person, and I know what this is doing to us as a society, and I know what this is doing to us as a human race. And yet, I am still moth to the flame, baby. So what is going on in my brain that makes me want to continue to be part of these social networks? And why is it so difficult for me to just walk away entirely? There's a really wonderful quote. I can't remember who it comes from. Uh, It's a sort of social scientist who said that we have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions and godlike technology. So when you put social media in the context of human beings who have these very primitive emotions and brains Mm, mm. and you put it in the context of these institutions that are lumbering and filled with inertia and medieval and you put it in the context of a godlike technology that we are yet to fully fathom what it might or could turn into, well, then suddenly you have a brew for... Uh, a lot of problems. And that's the context that I see social media existing in, not just as an individual platform or an alleged town square. Wow, you've opened up something enormous here. It's huge. And this is why I'm ultimately, see, now I'm like, I got to get off. You just talked yourself out of threads. I just talked myself out of threads. Over the weekend, you were right there. But I will open it up again and go, ooh, someone liked my post. Because ultimately, as much as I can rationalise with, like, the person side of my brain, it's the lizard side of my brain that just takes over. We've got to wrap this somewhere. Let's both take a punt. Will this be successful? Will threads work? Will it dominate Twitter? Or will it go the way of threads? 
in 2019 when it was already launched and failed. So Instagram, I've just found this out in our research for this conversation that they launched something very similar, but it was focused on communicating with a more intimate subset of your Instagram followers about what you're up to, you know, Mm -hmm. status. And it went nowhere. It wasn't marketed very well and it didn't have a unique selling proposition. Do you think threads will be successful or be you know, be like the old threads we never heard about? I think it'll depend on some of the other big players in this space as well. One, it'll depend what happens with Twitter, whether or not Twitter can be turned around. It doesn't look like it's heading in that direction. But two, there's another competitor called Blue Sky, which everybody's kind of mm, just keeping a close eye on, which is an, a version of Twitter that's been launched by Jack Dorsey, who was the founder of the original mm. Twitter, right? So somebody Smart man. Yeah, he knows a little bit more about what he's doing in that space. And they've said that this is going to be a space for news and politics and current affairs and all of the kind of topics that were hot on Twitter. I still have questions around who Threads is for, and I think if they can't figure it out, it is liable to dying in the arse. When I first saw it launch, I thought, yes, and now I I agree with you. If it's just the sort of same people I follow on Instagram being a more annoying, attempted, pithy version of themselves, then no thanks. I don't think I'm going to use it. I think I went for Twitter for the more newsy side of it. So unless it comes into that zone, but then it's not really unique. So my prediction is, I'm not sure. That's not an interesting prediction, is it? But you're right to not be sure because it hasn't even been a week and these things change so infinitely. And I think trying to make predictions on where this will end up next week, let alone two years is difficult. So stay stay with the uncertainty. I'm in that zone between the responsive animal instinct and like the deeper thinking part. Stay in that space. You're in the space between stimulus and response. Stay in that space for as long as you can. Great advice. All right, tomorrow in your feed, the weekend briefing will be coming at you. Jamila, who are you interviewing this week? This weekend, I have had such an interesting conversation with Australian actor Marta Dusseldorp, who you will know her from everything. You might remember her from Blackjack or Crownies, Jack Irish from Wentworth, from Janet King, and most recently, or should I say almost about to happen, is uh, Bay of Fires, which is a new eight part series that is going to air on ABC iView and ABC TV on this Sunday night where Marta plays the lead role and uh, has also been involved in in the production and the creation of, of this show. Uh, our conversation went everywhere from the west coast of beautiful Tasmania to the Australian television industry to the life of an artist and how Marta gets into character. Honestly, I was completely captivated by her. I could have I could have listened for hours, but we have the very best 20 minutes for weekend briefing listeners. All right. Enjoy that tomorrow. We'll be back Monday to Friday. Hope you have an amazing weekend. We'll catch you later. Big thank you to our hardworking team, senior producer Eleanor Harrison Dengate and news producer Helen Smith, our editor Matt Kuzkari and the rest of the hardworking team here at Listener. Thank you so much. Listener.